All right, hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a little while. This is just a little bonus one I wanted to do. It's not going to be super long. Um, I recently was looking at the news. I, I like to check the news articles online, see what's going on, see if there's any news stories, any any anything going on, true crime, interesting things, whatever, anything related to stuff I might do on my podcast. And I came upon this one uh, a few days ago. Uh, let me see if I can find the article. I can't remember what it was titled. If I find it, I'll, I'll try to link it in, in this uh, episode. But anyways, uh, it, it mentioned that there were two Georgia men that had been wrongfully convicted of murder and were freed after 25 years in prison. They served 25 years in prison and were recently freed, uh, just, uh, just recently. Now, the cool thing about this is that there is a podcast that did a very extensive uh, multiple-part episodes about these two guys evidence or i guess you could say even almost like investigation that they had through their podcast actually was able to help free these guys they are called the proof crime podcast if you're interested in checking this out you can go to www.proofcrimepod.com and check out the episodes and listen to it they have 18 episodes about it they are pretty long I've not had a chance to listen to them, but they were mentioned in this article that they were a key role in helping these guys be freed and, and bringing new evidence to light to help these guys be released because of this wrongful conviction. So that's what I want to talk about briefly was just who are these guys and what happened, what's going on. I'm not going to get into like super details about it i just want to give kind of an overview of it because i just thought it was really interesting reading about it learning about these two guys and what happened so i thought i would share that with you guys give you a little little bonus episode here so yeah so who are they and, and what exactly happened so like i said they're from georgia one guy his name is daryl lee clark the other's name is kane joshua story so they were convicted in 1996 of a shooting death of one of their friends Back. I'm just reading through the article right now. It's all just talking about them being freed and, and re- reuniting with their family and whatnot, which is awesome. That's fantastic. Okay, so here we go. I was just skimming through. So it started back on October 18th of 1996. There was a young man by the name, 15-year-old young man by the name of Brian Bowling. He's the one that, that actually died in 1996 because of this incident, and these two were convicted of his murder. So they were hanging out. All three of them, so Brian Bowling, Kane Story, and Daryl Clark. And they were at, uh, let me see, they were at Kane Story's parents' house. They had a trailer home where they lived, and they were hanging out there. And let me see, it says, Brian was on his phone, was on the phone with his girlfriend, and he told her that they were going to play Russian roulette with a gun brought over by Kane's story. Now, obviously, that's extremely dangerous and sounds pretty stupid, right? Let's play Russian roulette. You got young teenagers. I've, I've done some dumb, dumb things when I was a teenager in my younger days, but, I, you know, playing Russian roulette was never something I, I ever considered or thought of. Anyways, that's what he told her. That's what this story says. Now, obviously, because of this while they are playing, bowling is the one to have shot himself but according to evidence they believe that he didn't shoot himself anyways we'll get to that here in a little bit so 
that's what happened there. Playing Russian roulette, bowling. According to, they were really playing it. Shot himself, killed himself. So according to investigators, they believe that Kane's story, his accounts of the incident, were claiming that it was an accident. That you know they were playing Russian roulette and he shot himself. Okay, but they did initially charge him with manslaughter. Kane's story. Uh, because he had brought the weapon and everything, and, and they played the game, so they charged him with manslaughter. But later, in months to follow during the investigation, they actually pushed for murder charges. So during the investigation, they actually interviewed a neighbor, a woman, that they don't give a name in the article that I found, um, that I was reading, So and I, I didn't look into more who the neighbor's name was, but anyways... It says a woman that was one of the neighbors that lived nearby the home where this occurred. She told investigators that Story and Clark came to a party at the home. And, excuse me, they came to a party that she hosted uh, previously. Excuse me, a previous party that she hosted before this incident, before the shooting. Sorry, I, I was misreading there. Um, she stayed at the party at the time. So these boys, Story and Clark, they were 17 years old, so they're two years older than Brian Bowling. She stated that at her party she was hosting when they were there, that uh, which one of them, I guess it actually lists both, Story and Clark, stated that they had planned to murder Brian Bowling because he had known too much about a prior theft, and that's according to Story and Clark, that they had committed. So basically, he knew about this theft that they committed and so that they were going to murder him and they were going to make it look like an accident through playing Russian roulette. That's what she claimed. That's her story she gave investigators. But they use that as evidence in court. Just her saying that. Okay, obviously if she comes and testifies that, yeah, okay, she she can give a testimony, but, you know, it's her word against theirs, so doesn't seem too very strong of a point or strong evidence anyways whatever continuing along with the investigation now at this time stories manslaughter charge like i said was upgraded to a murder charge and clark was arrested as a co-conspirator despite that clark actually had an alibi at the time so police they relied on the testimonies and there's one that they relied on testimony of a witness who was both hearing and speech impaired. Now, I, you know, if if you're hearing or speech impaired, people have impairments or disabilities, whatever you want to say, I under, completely understand. But for them to use this as evidence, it, it's pretty frustrating. Um, now, this person claims to have been in a different room in the bowling home at the time of the shooting. Now, mind you, they're hearing impaired. I don't know. How, it doesn't say if they're totally deaf or just have partial hearing loss or hearing damage, whatever. I'm assuming if they have hearing and speech impairment that they're likely deaf, if not fully deaf, deaf, probably very deaf, you know, at that to that point of, you know, when you're around, know people that are deaf, they tend to have speech impairments, obviously, growing up. Um, I know people that have have that and have dealt with that growing up their whole lives and and 
going through that and, and learning sign language, et cetera, things like that. But anyways, they relied on this person, their testimony as evidence in court against them. This witness claims to have identified Clark from a photo lineup stating that they saw him running through the backyard that night of the shooting, after, after the shooting. No one else at the bowling home reported anything similar. Not a single other person had any claim or testimony that matched that or was the same. So this one's, it's the only person that claims this. So I don't know. It, it That one to me seems a bit, bit odd. Seems a bit that they actually used it as evidence in court. So, Anyways, again, if you want to go listen to that other podcast, find more evidence about this there. I'm sure there's more details regarding that, but this is all that they listed in, in what the report that I, I was reading. So in the trial, uh, the state built its case on the, the party's hostess's, the hostess's testimony that the boys had conspired to kill Bowling, the one that they the party had, that they had been previously, the neighbor, the woman that said that they claimed that they were going to murder him um, as an act of revenge. And on this person identifying Clark fleeing home, this other person. So that's what they used against them. Doesn't seem very strong at this point. Now, the person that was hearing and speech impaired, they do give their name. I'm going to leave it out as far as on on what I'm talking about, but they do include their name. Again, if you want to look at this more, you can see who it is, but I'm going to leave their name out. They did state that during the trial, they had a very difficult time communicating to the court exactly what they witnessed. Um, Again, just being that they were speech and hearing impaired. So, again, kind of... Mm, doesn't look too strong, but anyways, it was used in court. Um, this person did state repeatedly that story was present in the home on the night of the shooting, but they also stated that a person that he called, quote, Daryl, was not present in the courtroom, even though Clark was sitting at the defense table. So according to him, this person that he says was named Daryl wasn't in the courtroom, though he's literally sitting there at the defense table. So he can't identify him literally sitting there in front of him in the courtroom. So again, that doesn't look very strong for their case, that supposedly he was there at the night of the the supposed murder, yet you can't even identify him literally sitting right there in front of you in court? Okay, seems a bit iffy. So this person, the the hearing and and speech-impaired person, did, did tell the court, through an interpreter that the person, the the quote person that they called Daryl was a quote black boy with black hair who had a wife according to um, news in in the area in Atlanta. Now this description did not fit Clark who does tend to go by his middle name of Lee because Clark is a white man who is not married and has brown hair. Not a black man with black hair and married, but a white man who is unmarried, and he's 17 again, so, you know, young man with brown hair. Does not match at all what this person is claiming. What? Are you kidding me? All right, so that's pretty frustrating already. That you, it, You're claiming this person to be the person they are, but yet they're literally not the same person? Okay. So the state also heard testimony from the county coroner, 
this one's really frustrating too. This coroner had no formal medical training. No formal medical training and you're a coroner. Are you kidding me? Because of this, there was no autopsy that was performed on Bowling's body at the time. So there's, they had no evidence other than just his body was there with a bullet wound to his head. But there was no autopsy done because this coroner had no formal medical training. What? Are you kidding me? That's absurd. This coroner told the court that he had, according to him, quote, a gut feeling the gunshot wound was not self-inflicted because it was not a close contact wound. Who are you to say this? You have no formal medical training and there was no autopsy performed. You just have a gut feeling. Are you kidding me? That's absurd. That should not be held up in court. Your gut feeling. I don't care about your gut feeling. I've got plenty of gut feelings about plenty of stuff. Doesn't mean you can use it in court against somebody for murder. Are you? What? There's a lot of four letter words I want to say right now, but I'm not going to because I like to keep my episodes, um, you know, I don't want them to be R-rated. I want anybody of any age to listen to them. But, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? This is absurd. It was actually used in court against these two guys. This testimony from this supposed coroner. Absolutely ridiculous. I never heard of such a thing. It, insane. Just ridiculous. So, despite all of this evidence that looked pretty pretty rough, didn't look pretty solid to me, doesn't sound like, and even Clark having an alibi, the trial was wrapped up in a week. And both men were convicted of murder and were given a sentence of life in prison. Are, what? Are you kidding me again? This is absurd. Now, this was back in 1996 when this happened. And this was, uh, let me, was it 98 I said when the trial happened? But anyways, over 20 years ago, insane just insane sorry i think i got that mixed up i said 98 was the trial it happened on 1996 i don't know okay i don't know where i came up with that it doesn't actually say when when the trial happened but anyways so they were convicted of murder and given a life in prison sentence i this is frustrating reading this when i was reading this the first time i was like practically yelling like what are you kidding me and and reading it again and going through it now it's just like i i can't believe it insane so anyways fast forward many many years into 2021 more than two decades later over 20 years later susan simpson and i hope i pronounced this right jakinda davis of this the proof podcast the one that i mentioned they started doing these these episodes uh, on their podcast about this case. And they re-interviewed a lot of witnesses from the trial. Um, they found a, they actually found a better interpreter for the speech impaired individual. This is in, this one's insane again. The, <laughs> through that interpreter, this person revealed that they had never, never told the police that they had seen Clark on the night of the shooting. So how did that, what? So what was the supposed interpreter that they had before saying? Or or whoever was listening to this person in whatever way they could, right? 
Like, I don't understand how that happens. So this person later stated, said, no, I never told the police that I was, that I had seen Clark on the night of the incident. What? Okay. I mean, this is good that it's coming out, but like, are you kidding me? So most of this person's testimony concerned an unrelated crime that he had witnessed a decade earlier. How did that get totally misinterpreted that way? I, I don't understand that. Like I said, I haven't listened to their podcast. I really want to go, go and listen to it. Um, the episodes are, you know, fairly long. They're not crazy long, each of them, but I would like to listen to it and go through it. I mean, it's from what I've read, just kind of like, um, I, I looked through some of the transcripts on, on their, their podcast episodes. Um, it, it does sound like it would be really interesting, really detailed as far as what they go into. So I, again, I just think it's really cool that they were able to help this case. So they also spoke to this party host, the, the, the woman witness that stated that, you know, they, they were conspiring this murder uh, for evidence against their supposed friend. Um, she recanted her testimony and said she actually had been coerced by the police. That right there alone is extremely frustrating that they coerced her. It's like, come on, come on, law enforcement. Like, are you kidding me? Like I, I've read cases and listen to other podcasts where you hear about this all too often where there's law enforcement that just they don't do their job the right way and they do crap like this where they coerce somebody it's like no no let this person share their story their testimony whatever they don't coerce them one way or another you have to be unbiased as law enforcement i don't i don't care what the case is you cannot do that that's absurd to me so anyways, she said that she was coerced by the police at the time who, according to her, allegedly had threatened to take her children away and actually requested sexual favors from her. What the H-E-double-L? Are you kidding me? It, oh my God, so frustrating. There was another new witness that was interviewed on their podcast as well that corroborated her fear of police retaliation this person obviously wasn't spoken to at the time but came out later saying yeah she was in fear because of these these police these a-holes that weren't doing their jobs right and were trying to get sexual favors and and were you know probably blackmailing her right and, and coercing her to you know pin it on these guys are you kidding me just this is infuriating even just again like i said reading over it again I'm, it's infuriating Whew, all right, give myself a moment there. <laughs> so with this new evidence uh, through the podcast, um, attorney Christina Cribs and, uh, let me see, accountability counsel Megan Hurley of the Georgia Innocence Project, they were actually able to secure a new trial for Clark. So on this hearing, the district attorney and a superior court judge agree agreed that Clark should be exonerated for all of his charges. That's awesome. That's fantastic. I think that's really great that that happened. That, that's awesome. Uh, here's a quote. They said, we are elated to see Lee and his family finally obtain the justice that is so long overdue. This would not have been possible without the Bowling family's support and a district attorney's office that was willing to take an objective new look at an old case. The Bowling family suffered a great loss when Brian died. Their strength open minds, willingness to question information that has been presented as 
fact and quest for the truth is inspiring. That is a direct quote from the attorney, Christina Cribbs. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, Here's another quote. Official misconduct was certainly a contributing factor in Lee's case, just as it has been in over 50% of wrongful conviction cases. This is, again, this is a quote. What we should take away from this is that unfettered power without proper checks and balances leaves ripe the opportunity for mistakes and misconduct. Again, the law, the law enforcement officers, their misconduct, yeah, absolutely. So the quote continues. Proper oversight coupled with educational initiatives designed to prevent and correct wrongful convictions is key. Uh, this is from uh, Megan Hurley, the Accountable, Accountability Council. Uh, and it continues on. Prosecutors have a duty to see that justice is done in their cases, and that must include a commitment to principles of integrity, equity, and accountability. It is imperative that they are willing to take corrective action when they see injustice, including when the injustice is perfor- excuse me, perpetrated by police. I, I agree, absolutely. I, I, I agree with that, that statement. So the judge in this new case, uh, he reduced Story's charges back to the original manslaughter charge, which carried a sentence of 10 years and gave him credit for time served. So again, because he provided the firearm for the incident, I, I believe that's why they, they had reduced it to manslaughter. So uh, unfortunately, he did have that conviction. But because he had already served over 20 years, because it was a 10-year sentence, he was, again, like I said, given credit for time served. And because of this, was released. So both of these men were recently released from prison and are now out and are with their families, which is awesome. Um, here's another quote. This is uh, from, let me see, was it, who, who is it from? Uh, from Clark himself. Uh, it is a real shock. Been being behind, oh, excuse me, been behind prison walls for 25 years and now to walk out and see how the world has changed. Yeah, I'm sure you've been in prison for 25 years. It's going to be a different world. Now his father, Glenn Clark, he said he was thankful to God that justice has finally been served. Again, he said, quote, was thankful to God that justice had finally been served. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, I I agree. I I agree with you there, Glenn Clark. I'm glad that your son is out. I'm glad that your son is free for for this uh, heinous, not not necessarily what happened, but the the way it was treated later, um, the investigation and the trial. Uh, Here's another quote that he also said. He said, let me tell you something. The Lord is shining. He is shining today. That's a quote from Glenn Clark from his father. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it definitely is shining on, on them, and they finally are freed. It's unfortunate that they had to serve so long um, for this. Um, just absurd, the investigation and the trial afterwards. Again, if you want to look into this more, check out the podcast. I'm, I'm going to go listen to it. I, I really want to. I was so frustrated reading this the first time, like I said, and then and going back over it. It's like it's just incredible what happened to these two young men. It's unfortunate that Brian Bowling lost his life. You know, if they were actually playing Russian roulette, I, I think it's really dumb. But unfortunately, he he is no longer with us, regardless of what happened. But I'm glad that, like Glenn Clark's father said, that justice finally was served, and these two men were freed. Um, one who 
reportedly wasn't even there had a good alibi and the other one his uh sentence was reduced to manslaughter because unfortunately yes he was there and, and provided the firearm but anyways they're free now they've been exonerated i i think that's great it's awesome crazy world a lot of weird crazy stuff happened out there um i'm gonna try to look at more news i like looking at news and see what's going on or, or um, see what's happening um it's interesting coming across things like this and see what's what's going on what's happening anyways just wanted to bring you this little short extra episode hope you liked it if you did let me know send me an email best place to get a hold of me um our word world podcast at gmail.com check me out on facebook our word world uh, i would do want to give a thanks to the people on facebook that are on the group i've been having seeing a lot more uh people joining so thank you i love it that's awesome i'm trying to do more activity with it and be on there more um i'm just life you know like i've said it before i've got a full-time job i've got two kids um it it's tough so i've actually been thinking about changing from doing an episode every week to doing every two weeks originally when i first started this podcast that was my plan i was gonna do every two weeks i was able to do a lot more and do every week it was difficult um and i'm finding it difficult again to try to keep up with that each week schedule i'm so i'm thinking of reducing it to every two weeks um i like doing little extras like this i I might try to do that more as well um going into the next year into 2023 um i I have some big changes in my life because of my work that will make it much easier for me to bring you guys more episodes so hopefully in springtime or as I move into summer, I'm, I'm not sure exactly the time frame exactly yet. Um, I'm going to have a lot more free time on my hand. So it's going to be good for you guys as my listeners. Um, I'm going to be able to bring you guys more episodes, more content. Um, it's going to give me a lot more free time to be able to do more research, etc., things like that. So um, look forward to that. Um, I look forward to it. I'm looking forward to be able to, to doing that, doing more content, doing more episodes. I'm going to continue along with the um, the 50 states episodes with the serial killers uh the infamous serial killers from each state here in the u.s i would like to expand that as well um globally i'd like to look at some serial killer cases around the world so if you have suggestions maybe from your your uh, home country hometown whatever let me know send me an email uh, uh send me a message on facebook you know get on there say hey you know check out this this case from here for wherever um even if you're on the U.S. too, you know, certainly don't hesitate to send me something. I have a list that I'm going to do, like I said, of the 50 states. But if you have others, they, let me know. Say, hey, have you heard about this? Have you seen this? Have you have you seen that? Um, even if it's something that might not be may, maybe well-known, maybe one a case that's lesser known. Um, you know, I, uh, I you see all these serial killers and cases that tend to be repeated a lot that are, are more well-known, which, which is fine. I, I don't mind doing them i you know i i I like reading about them and it's it gives you a lot more information that you can feed off of and and anyways yeah if if you would like to reach out to me and, and give me a suggestion please i would love to hear it so thanks for listening we'll catch you next time